Welcome to your favorite F word podcast, where we dive deep into conversations around food, fitness, feelings, with the occasional fuck thrown in. We're your hosts, Sarah and Nicola, owners of Paradigm Nutrition and Performance, nutrition coaches, besties, and most importantly, humans. This show is for coaches, self-growth-oriented folks, active humans, or anyone looking to deepen their understanding and relationship with food, movement, and themselves. Thanks for tuning in, and we cannot wait to share this space with you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to to another episode of Your Favorite F Word. I need to get my mic over here. I forgot. Oh, Um, that's so much better. Is it? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. I think it was on it, but it was just far away from me. Um, Okay, welcome. We are doing another like research deep dive episode with the roles reversed. So Nicola is going to talk about some of her research that she is doing in her program right now. Um, and extra cool. She is actually using this podcast as one of her assignments. So her instructor is going to be listening to this, which is slightly terrifying, but that's okay. Um, no, Sonia is a sweet, sweet angel and she's great. Yes. Good. I'm very exciting to be able to get to like blend the two worlds, the stuff that we always kind of talk about. And now from the lens of like, what am I learning from the counseling program? Mm-hmm. And in our topic today, there's actually a lot of carryover Tons. into the conversations that we have with our clients. So what are we talking about? So as we kind of alluded to maybe like a week or so ago, we are going to talk about grief today, which maybe feels like an oddly placed topic, given that we are generally more focused on nutrition and fitness and health. But as you know, around here we value you know the feelings of things one of our favorite f words mm-hmm. um and really do try and you know do our best to take a holistic view of how we work with clients in the view of health in the realm of coaching which you know really means including mental health and aspects of psychology in our work too mm-hmm. we're you know as all of our clients know never going to pretend to be therapists in this work But I think the topic of grief is really something that we see come up often, whether or not it's identified by the client as grief. So we'll get into that. I would argue it's usually not identified. Yeah. So this should be, I think that there'll be a lot of light bulb moments for people in this episode in terms of like the um, conversations that they have with themselves and the struggles and frustrations that they have in their fitness journey as it relates to you know, changes in lifestyle, body image, et cetera. So we'll dive into all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So should we just get right in? Let's get right into it. Okay. Well, I thought maybe, well, so a little different than the research episode we did with Sarah. So this was not necessarily based on like one or two main papers. This wasn't like, this is my thesis. Um, This is just for our grief class. So we're really exploring grief in all different like intersections and ways that can come up and as we kind of talked about very briefly in a previous episode I think there's a lot of ways that we as humans experience grief that is not necessarily identified as such Mm -hmm. or even just like given the credit of being worthy of like a label such as grief so things like you know having a collective grief for like the bigger pieces in life um 
climate change, wars, things like that. I don't think we often are like, oh yes, I'm grieving, but we know that there's like a collective discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, when we look at clients, I think pieces around identity change and life transitions, new roles, um, but also I think comes up a lot is like changes in body appearance, function or ability. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge grief process around that, that I think is what Sarah is talking about is never really called grief for sure. our clients. Yeah. Yeah. I think for someone like myself, who's never really dug into this, most people, when we think of grief, I think we automatically think of someone passing away totally. the loss of someone in our life, or even maybe they don't pass away, but our relationship with them ends or whatever. And that it's like always tied to someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, the bereavement process where it's yeah. like you lost a relative, a loved one, a partner, or like a pet. I think where society is like, okay, you're allowed to grieve a pet. Yeah. But are you like quote unquote allowed to grieve a previous version of yourself or right. a version of yourself that like never came to fruition? Um, are two Ooh. two things that I think, yeah. 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 We don't often give that label to. Um so with that, I was kind of wondering maybe if we wanted to share if you're open to this, kind of our personal experiences with grief in this more abstract way where we're applying it to like grief over our identity or lifestyle change or transition, our bodies, just to give maybe listeners a sense of like what that process has looked like and felt like for us to maybe help them identify if they want to take on the label of grief for themselves. Right. Okay. Do you want to start or do you want me to? Do you have one off the hop? Um. I mean, one that I'm experiencing right now and have been experiencing like for the last year and a bit is just my transition in my fitness and kind of like Mm -hmm. away from being more competitive in CrossFit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting because this is the second time that I've had this grief um, because I was an athlete growing up and played sports all throughout high school, very competitively, was a huge part of my identity. I went through that process after that was done. And at that time, number one, I was partying and didn't have time to really like actually experience grief, but, um, I soon found CrossFit. And so it kind of was like transferred from one competitive outlet to another. Um, and for a long time, CrossFit was a huge piece of my identity, um, and being competitive in it and stuff like that. And now definitely grieving that as I transition away from the competitive side and I find myself like less interested in doing CrossFit as frequently and definitely not to the same intensity um, or anything like that. Uh, Experiencing, yeah, those feelings of, oh, I can't do things that I once could um, or mostly that. and it's, it's interesting because I, I feel that grief, like I can't do those things, but then like, I think about it and I'm like, I literally don't want to do those things. Mm. Like I could, mm-hmm. if I wanted to, but I don't want to put in the effort and I don't want to put my body through the stress that it requires to like, be able to do those things well. So that's totally. Like and I think what you're describing is like so important because grief is very complicated it can like exist even when other things are at play. So like you're saying, you know, I'm grieving the loss of like that piece of myself or that identity. And yet I don't miss it right in a day-to-day way, but there's still a loss. Yeah. And I think it's kind of that piece that 
you know, society or like our cultural norms are like, well, then like, what are you complaining about? You don't right. even want that thing. So yeah. Like, why are you sad? You're not supposed to be feeling these things. Right. Yeah. 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 It's tricky. It's a, yeah. a slippery fish. Yeah. What's one of yours? Um, I mean, the thing that comes to mind first is just like the process of moving. And that was like almost four years ago now, but moving to Vancouver Island came with a new, like grieving the loss of the friendships and not loss. I still talk to the friends, but like the proximity, the ability to just show up at a friend's house or like be with them in a physical space. I miss that a ton. But I think in terms of like lifestyle too, I missed like the ease in which I lived before. And there was a lot of stress um, that came from starting up in a new place. There was a new routine, a new gym, all these different changes in relationships. But there really was like a loss of my sense of self. Like I had an identity. I grew up in Lethbridge. I was a certain type of person there. And I felt like coming here, you know, on one hand, there's like this kind of possibility of like do you get to reinvent yourself which I have some hot takes on that process um but I was also like I don't no one knows me for that person anymore and I miss that like being seen right and that was like a huge piece of my grief when we moved and I still definitely feel pieces of it when I like you know think about the gym we had back home and just how community oriented we were and how easy it was to go in there and just exist as who I was instead of like you know needing to try to be someone else for any duration of time yeah there was like a big sense of loss there for sure I definitely had grief in that too and I think it's like still every every time that we like get on a podcast or Nicola and I like have a friendship zoom or something like that I like our friendship is still strong but there's definitely still grief that happens and like I can't touch you you know, Mm -hmm. I can't like be Mm -hmm. in your space. And it's like, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I have another one that like, oh yeah, maybe is going to sound weird or bad. Um, but I think that there was grief that came when I got married Mm -hmm. and this is an interesting one, but because a huge piece of my personal identity, especially, um, over the last, you know, eight years or so since I ended the relationship that I had with my ex has been my independence. Yeah. And that was like a huge thing that I was very proud of and worked hard for. And, you know, when you move in with someone, when you get married, when you, you know, your life changes and now it's not just about you, it's about someone else. I think that, again, I still like have grief of that, like just being independent and being able which I still can to a certain extent, but like not having anyone else to worry about except for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? that's huge. Yeah. And do you think it's like, are, is there any component that's like how people see you or is the like thought process of feelings really just about how you feel about yourself? Um, I think maybe like subconsciously there's a little bit about how people see me. But at the same time, when I think about societal norms and like what people think is like you're supposed to do, I would say getting married is one of those things, especially (laughs) as a woman, right? So like, I don't think in that regards that there's as much of that as at play as it is more just like my personal 
issues with like vulnerability and like this thought of like not like of needing someone else or like you know I don't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. but I think like even that is like such a good point because as we'll kind of like talk about when we get into like different kinds of grief like what you're describing is like essentially a disenfranchised grief where like society is kind of like well the goal is to get married so right you're grieving something yeah you know that you shouldn't essentially yeah or you know there's something something quote-unquote better has come along and so like what is grief doing there right that's just an uncomfortable feeling that we should disregard right (laughs) yeah yeah it's super interesting yeah and I think like, again, as we'll talk about, but like changes in like body composition and body function were also huge pieces for me, like moving my like desire to go training and like the type of training I was doing changed a ton. And as mm-hmm. a result, my like abilities in the gym, my like my definition of fitness for myself changed. My body composition changed. Those were all like big pieces that I I often thought about and still think about although I would say I think differently now there is still like a sense of like oh man like I yeah I was different yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. okay well why don't we dive into then unless there's more personal ones you want to talk about no I think Um, that's good for now why don't you fucking dictionary definition it (laughs) and tell us what is grief Okay, well, I will say I didn't take a dictionary definition, yeah. <laughs> but just like a, a combination of the different ways that grief is described in the literature that I came across, and as we've been learning about it in class too. But I think maybe first I'll start with like a caveat that what I've noticed and what we've kind of discussed in class is that when we view grief from like the medical or research or like psychological community, there is still some debate whether like a grief is an actual emotion or if it's something else and then also can this idea of like true grief be applied to experiences beyond bereavement so beyond the loss of a loved one yeah and I think depending on the type of um, literature you're reading like grief will have a ton of different definitions and it will be talked about in a lot of different ways um And I think a piece I found in the research I was doing was that grief isn't always used to label the emotions and experiences that we are discussing. Like it was very hard to come across anything that said, yes, a person can in fact grieve the loss of like a different body that they once inhabited. Um, And so I think that can be really invalidating for people, which is why I think, you know, these kind of conversations are really interesting and the ones we have with our clients are important because yeah, not everyone is going to have a grief process around those kind of changes. But if we can offer someone like even just to witness that or to give them a label, if that's helpful for some people, I think that can really change so much of how we're navigating that process right. for ourselves. Right. Um. So really in general, I have found it like very hard and awkward to find and fit academic research to support real life application with like the nuance of all of these experiences. Interesting. Um, so a lot of what I took was from different descriptions of grief and I've kind of just filtered them in a way that does, I think, like describe the process that we are seeing day to day, week to week with clients, with ourselves, with, right. you know, people in our lives. Right, right. So with that, then the definition of grief that I have kind of come up with is grief as a complex and multifaceted emotion 
in air quotes, because I mm-hmm. think we can describe that as we need to, um, that is experienced by individuals in response to various life experiences, including the loss of a loved one. However, it can also be applied to people who are experiencing significant changes in their body, changes amongst their life. So these can be physical transformations that could include weight gain, weight loss, body composition change, but it could also be the process of aging. It could also be the development of an illness, a chronic illness, um, a change in energy, a change in ability or a disability, and all of those kind of pieces as well. Mm-hmm. So lots of different different factors there, are ways that it can show up. Mm-hmm. And then I think when you like can apply it to such or like use it and apply grief to so many different ways the like different experiences in that then just like grow so if we start out with like grief as like one thing and now all of a sudden we're applying grief to just like an exponential number of things and all of those different um grief experiences have an exponentially different number of experiences within them and so grief does end up looking it's extremely pervasive and it looks so different that it does become very hard I think for us to agree upon and maybe that's why in the literature there's no agreed upon definition yeah Um, a note that you have here that I think maybe is like a good way to just like sum it up is like this sense of loss Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and that again can apply to all of those different things um but that sense of loss is, is generally in all of these areas, part of what's coming up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. okay. Yeah. So as we kind of mentioned, like you can see this among clients who like, I used to be an athlete, um, someone who has become a mother, like you said, has become like a wife or like a partner who was like a very dedicated single person, an independent mm-hmm. woman, if you will. Yeah. Um, or if we're noticing major changes in body appearance, energy function, the type of training, the lifestyle. So like moving in with a partner can be a huge lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. Moving to a new city, new gym, a new career. Maybe we're entering like a period of a lot of higher stress with less like freedom for ourselves. Like just all of these changes, like you said, yes, there's that, that phase of like loss. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then, so grief is an emotion. Mm, Yeah. So again, like I, I think most people like face value or like, oh yes, grief is an emotion similar to like sadness, anger, whatever, as it's something we experience as humans. And yet I don't think I don't view it and haven't like heard people talk about it in exactly the same way. Certainly there are threads throughout people's language, like the sense of loss, a sadness, But I think what's really interesting is like when we talk about other emotions, generally most emotions are measured in like the order of seconds or moments or minutes or hours. Like, oh, that was such like a a happy afternoon or like that was such a great day. Um, But I think like grief is like so dynamic and evolving and complicated in the way that it like changes. And we really do measure grief in like beyond those moments and minutes, but into like weeks and months and years where you can be experiencing grief a few years later. And yet you've also been able to have periods where it wasn't as prevalent. Right. Yeah. And feel happiness like, inside that. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's almost like it's a kind of like umbrella with like mm-hmm. multiple other emotions existing inside of it. 
and like fluctuating so much. Totally. And I mean, like, maybe I'm not thinking hard enough, but I can't picture a time where I could like be very confident in being like, I am angry right now and also sad or also happy. Maybe that's a better one, but I can give you many examples of when I've been like in deep grief and also experienced like a great degree of joy and happiness. Right. And it's like, it's the coexistence that I'm like, is grief its own emotion or is it something else? Something or else. is it just this really unique experience? Yeah. Right. Interesting. Okay. 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 Um, so do we want to go on... to, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask if you want to go into the types of grief or you want to add something before we move. Yeah. To... Yeah. Yeah. Let's go into the types of grief then. Okay. And these are like the, what's terms that we'll see used in like the textbooks talking about grief the academic literature um and these are maybe more agreed upon than like grief in general um but the one I mentioned earlier is this idea of like disenfranchised grief so when you're grieving or your process of loss doesn't fit with the larger society's attitudes about dealing with that loss so that tends to be like a lack of support during that grieving process, kind of like an ignoring of your like feelings. Um, But it might even be like, you know, someone saying like, you are not supposed to or allowed to grieve this person or that thing. Right. So for example, if you, if someone in your life passed, but you weren't necessarily their best friend or their spouse or their brother or their sister or their mother, then society isn't giving you the right to grieve in the same way that they would give someone in closer proximity yeah according to like our western culture right um but I think too like in the context of this conversation disenfranchised grief could also be like the process of and feelings of the emotions around a lifestyle change or a body composition or like a role or your identity um and I think maybe one that stands out to me that I hear about the most is like the process around like motherhood and moving from being just you as a a woman as a person and then entering motherhood and all the changes that that comes it's because you've brought another person into the world you're supposed to be happy this is a good thing you wanted this yeah and so it's like how are you supposed to also be like so you know upset or have these big feelings around what was when you're supposed to be so focused on what is Mm mm-hmm Yeah, I think that a lot of moms can relate to that. And I think that's also why a huge piece on why moms struggle so much, right? Because in their head, they're like, this is supposed to be amazing. Like, I'm supposed to be so happy. I'm, you know, I, my body birthed this child and like all of these messages, right? Um, But you're also dealing with the huge shift in lifestyle, Mm -hmm. the huge changes in your body, um, and we're supposed to just put that aside, right? And just be like, no, it's amazing. Like, look at this little mm-hmm. human. Um, so yeah, that one's interesting. We have, uh, Emily and I had to reschedule our podcast last week. So we're recording it this week. Um, and it will come out after this episode and it will be diving into that a lot. Um, I'm glad yeah motherhood yeah Yeah. well so I'll be able to apply some of this conversation to that in terms of like the questions that I'm asking yeah I'll be very curious to like like see and hear her think about it yeah 
Um, yeah. So again, like disenfranchised grief is really grief. That's not given credit. It's almost as if we're like placing grief in a hierarchy. And if you're not at like the top, then you don't get to grieve in the same way or your process isn't like as valid. Right. Um, and another term very like closely related, I think when we look at the context in which we're discussing grief is ambiguous grief. So grief that goes beyond that of like a bereavement of a loved one or like the death of someone um, and really can be like a loss of emotional connection. For example, when someone's like physical presence remains, but the way or the person they were does not. So maybe a very like straightforward example of this is like if you had a loved one who is now experiencing Alzheimer's or dementia, they are physically right. present and you haven't quote unquote lost them. And yet they are not the same person. Right. Some people might even say, you know, they are gone. Right. Um, so that's kind of like on, I don't want to, again, I'm not trying to give a hierarchy to grief, but that might be like a bigger, um, more intense experience. But I think, again, when we look at like the conversation we are talking about, it could be like an injury and we don't know when we're going to be able to get back to our fully functioning body. We don't know when we're going to get back into training. We don't know when we're, you know, or like a health thing came up, like, you know, you right. might be still here, but your body has changed so much. And so I think those kind of like ambiguous understandings of grief too. So, I mean, like, yes, I might be taking a little bit of a leap here and applying these labels, um, but I think it it is kind of helpful to conceptualize grief in different ways. Mm-hmm. I think it's helpful anytime that we can put a label, I guess, on our experience, right? Especially in something like these situations where we're like, there's so many different emotions that we're having. There's positives, there's negatives, there's... Mm-hmm you know, and we're just feeling uncomfortable, it can be really helpful to be like, oh, maybe this is what I'm experiencing. Right. Mm -hmm. At least for me, maybe it's like part of my controlling tendencies, but like (laughs) to be able to be like, okay, this might be what I'm experiencing. And like, this is normal. And yeah. yeah. And I mean, even if like you reject the label, I think maybe it's helpful to understand that like people experience this like you are absolutely not the only one who is experiencing something similar even if it's like it's probably never going to be exactly the same one person's grief or experience Mm -hmm. we know it's not the same but having the the label or the the tangible way to like be like oh yes yeah this is like a very real human experience and if that gives you permission to like lean into it or deal with it or whatever you want to do with it then yeah that's great Mm -hmm. Okay. What is, what about this next one? Transformative. Uh, so this one came up in a few papers, but was discussed very differently. Okay. Um, but I really like it for what we're kind of talking about, but it's uh, transformative grief. So grief that transforms the self. And I mean, really, this could be any kind of grief. Um, but I think it's helpful to think about it in terms of like, it's grief that changes us cognitively by forcing us to alter sets of beliefs or values or desires. So in this conversation, it's like, who am I without, you know, for you, who am I without CrossFit? Who am I with a partner? Um, What if I can't, you know, get back to a style of training, you know, that lit me up the way CrossFit did? Um, it's also like transformative phenomenologically, that's a big Mm -hmm. word, um, by altering like our experience in a diffuse or global manner. So like the experience of being, so to use your CrossFit example, the experience of being someone who 
isn't a CrossFit athlete in the same way? Like, what is that? What does that mean to actually be in the world when you're not that person anymore? Um, normatively, it changes us by requiring us to revise our identity of ourselves, how we like would describe ourselves to others, even when you're meeting someone and they're like, hey, Sarah, like, what do you do? And you don't get to say, oh, I do CrossFit anymore. <laughs> like, that might seem trivial, but that's yes. like a huge thing. You're like creating a new identity. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, the literature talks about this like existential transformation where we kind of have to confront oneself like in the new state. So it's like, okay, we've talked about how we've changed since CrossFit, but like, okay, then what actually does exist are we now? now? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Those definitely are all like pretty tied together, I would say. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I don't, do you think that there's, can, can it transform you in one of those ways and not the other ways? Or do you think they're always all coexisting? Mm, that's such a good question without like taking too much time to think like philosophically about it I feel like no I feel like you when there's a change that big you are kind of coaxed into transforming those things yeah whether or not you're doing it consciously or unconsciously yeah for sure interesting okay mm -hmm. you have any ending thoughts on that before we move into like the client piece no I don't think so I'm sure pieces will come up, but yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, do you want to talk about how we see grief and clients? Yeah. And I think you'll okay. be able to speak to this a lot because I think you and I together have had many conversations sure. about what we've seen in clients and maybe we just, we haven't been calling it grief maybe right. either. Yeah. Um, so let's start off with body image. Cause I think okay. this being in nutrition, being in fitness, this is a huge one for clients. And I can think of very few clients I have, at least on my current roster, who haven't had this come up in some way. Right. Yeah. And when we talk about body image, it is important to remember that it's multidimensional, right? Mm -hmm. There are so many different facets and factors that are involved in the way that we feel about our bodies and the way that we view our bodies. Um, but when it comes to grief and body image, I think the biggest way that we see this play out with clients is generally in a situation where they used to have a smaller body. Hmm. Yeah. Right? An emphasis on smaller. Cause I don't think we have many clients who are like, oh, I used to weigh a lot more and I miss that. Right. And I think that's super important to point out when we talk about like body image being very multifaceted is because so much of like the way we are experiencing that grief over the change is based on a societal norm and beauty standards. Yeah. And I mean, we don't live in a vacuum, so I can't really say, you know, like without beauty standards, what would that process of like change in our body look like or right. feel like? Um, but very kind of interesting to like add that layer on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, we grieve when we compare our current body to a previous version of our body. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's, I mean, in general, I think, especially as women, we are constantly comparing and like the beauty standards in social media are certainly not helping. But I think what we see with nutrition clients often is like, well, I used to look this way. I used right. to feel this way. My body used to be like this. Right. And that comparison, even to previous versions of ourselves is very interesting and potentially not helpful, 
-hmm. but I think I'm starting to try and conceptualize it differently and stop trying to change people's minds about it and allow for that to be a a feeling existing yeah 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 instead of pushing it aside and you know going through that process of like discrediting that grief Mm -hmm. um because yeah the societal norms that we have like it's hard enough when we're comparing ourselves to others but I think it's it's even harder when we have that experience ourselves and we see our body change um and there's a lot of other factors that then come to play in in terms of like oh well I could do it then so why can't I do it now or Mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff but one thing that I am always like intrigued to reflect on with clients and in myself too is okay we're grieving a previous version of our body but when we were in that body how did we feel you know, and there are definitely instances where people felt better where they, you know, and that could be related to their body image or not. It could be just solely because they were being consistent. They were moving more, they were eating nourishing food, et cetera, and literally have nothing to do with their body. But a lot of times when we have that reflection and if we dig deep, I think a lot of us would say that we still weren't happy in our body at that time. Mm-hmm. you know oh like gosh, we yeah. still wanted to be smaller we still wanted to be leaner we still wanted to be you know so it's interesting to see us grieving that previous version when like when we were in that previous version it still wasn't enough mm-hmm. right mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fucked up yeah and I mean too I think another layer to that that we often talk about with clients expressing this is like can we think beyond just like the body at that time of life and like really what has changed life-wise mm-hmm. and oftentimes it's like yeah I, I had way less responsibilities then I had so much more time to put to this you know my hormones were different I have aged I have a partner now my work has changed I have you know extra stressors yeah I've like given up focusing on that stuff. I've moved out of CrossFit, whatever it is. Like, I think we don't give enough credit to the big shifts that are going to influence it. And we instead internalize it and be like, no, it's like, cause I'm not doing good enough now. Right. Yeah. It's easy to place that onto our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, Very easy. Um, And a huge piece of that is just because of societal norms and culture and how we've been taught to value what we look like above basically everything else. Mm -hmm. And I mean, with that, maybe it means that like in a smaller body, you were treated differently and Mm -hmm. it's, you could be grieving like how you were treated in the world. Like that can be a part of it too. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. What else do we have notes here on? Mm -hmm. What, maybe what are some things that we would ask clients if they were experiencing this? What are some things that listeners could maybe ask themselves? I mean, I think a big thing is like, what has changed in your life? What was like, what was life like then? And what is it like now to help kind of externalize this? Like we'll, we'll call it the problem, externalize it as something that you have done or have not done and recognize that like it is a very normal transition right um and that so many factors have contributed to it and then also think about like 
what was like, what were the values you were embodying that were like creating that level of happiness? Like, what were you doing for just you at that Mm -hmm. time in your life? And are those things still at play? And if not, do they, do we want them to be? Mm -hmm. Is there like a level of like value and identity that can shift even if our body hasn't? Right. Yeah. And are there care, are there things that we were maybe doing at that time that were feeling good that we could still do, but in a different capacity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's a big thing too, because I think a lot of people go to like, well, I can't train the amount that I did before, or I can't, you know, be as fucking perfect with my nutrition as I was before. So like, what's the point? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And in that situation, obviously we're not going to feel great if we're not doing any of those things for ourselves, but oftentimes it's just, okay, we can still do those things to a certain extent. It just looks different than it did before. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, there's like a very tricky like layer to this too, especially when we're talking about coaching is because ugh, this might sound terrible, but I think when we're talking about grief, as this kind of a process I think too like okay I look at like what can we still control and I think that almost defeats the purpose of like calling it grief because grief is something that I don't necessarily think we need to fix or solve and yet so much of our work with clients is like offering solutions and looking forward and trying to quote-unquote move on but when you look at like you know how you might want to be treated if a loved one passed away imagining how bad it would feel if someone was like well how can we just make this better or move on right and so I'm like torn here because I think so much of our work and what our clients look for are like ways to move forward and yet Mm -hmm. then what is our job as coaches or as the person experiencing this in holding that grief and being compassionate and also what do we do with it or do we move on is it okay to just feel the feels for the previous version of ourselves forever right and like I, I can't answer that for other people but it gets yeah. really interesting when we think about like what is our role as coaches mm-hmm. do you think that you can feel the feels and also work on you know implementing some of those things to help you I guess when we say feel better I when I'm saying that I'm not thinking like okay feel better means not feeling any grief at all or like Mm -hmm. not ever comparing yourself or not ever missing that body that you had or whatever feeling better in the way that I'm talking about it means like doing things right now that help you feel good right now you might still that grief is coexisting Mm -hmm. right can those two things happen can we and like from your psychological background can we have multiple feelings exist mm-hmm. we're like we're still grieving we still quote unquote wish we had that body but we're recognizing like okay this is what I'm working with now mm-hmm. yeah and I think it comes down to maybe like the individual capacity so I think right. a conversation we've had on the podcast a lot and one we kind of like apply to clients all the time is this idea of like as an external person as a coach I cannot decide what is an excuse for someone, meaning like what is them giving themselves an easy out for doing something uncomfortable? And mm-hmm. what is a tried and true barrier that's like literally preventing an action 
or a change in behavior or whatever. And maybe that's like a question we ask more often is like, do we just want to sit with this feeling for a while? Mm -hmm. We don't have to do anything. Or if you want to move forward, then what kind of conversation is going to feel good? And I think like in therapy, like this is really like client centered, like you are letting the client have the agency and the autonomy, but it is a trickier thing to navigate in coaching because a lot of times we have been hired to, to use the language that we see on intake forms is like, keep me accountable, keep me moving forward. Right. And it's like, it's such a tough balance when a true barrier comes up because I don't want to hold someone accountable to all the goals they set for themselves. If they're feeling like they truly cannot get there right now or make that action right now. Yeah. So it becomes very complicated for sure. And if they are in that situation, then they're like, in that space where like something's wrong with me or like mm-hmm. I just can't do it or where whatever when we're like not leaving the space for them to like have that experience without you know trying to fix it right away mm-hmm. and that is an interesting one because I think when people are in therapy they're fully expecting to like well at least in my experience <laughs> to like sit with those uncomfortable emotions and like not be quote unquote fixed right, right. away Right. Like a lot like, of conversations are like therapy might mean feeling worse before yeah. you feel better. Yeah. And that's like not necessarily what people expect when moving into coaching. It's no, like I'm gonna feel better at the moment I sign a contract. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And maybe that's like something to normalize too, is like you might feel better. And I think slowly we're seeing this with clients when we're like, hey girl, like we're actually not gonna go into a diet phase right now. We're actually gonna spend the next six months in like an improvement phase. And like you might feel quote unquote worse because your body image isn't, or your body physically is not like losing the weight you thought you wanted to lose. Right. So there's so many different expectations to just like navigate there. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So many different, so much going (laughs) at once there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think so getting into like some other ways we see clients experience it. I think like what we just talked about is really going to apply to every single piece of this. Um, But again, just to help broaden the application of this, Mm -hmm. um, we see this conversation come up a lot when we talk about a change in ability. So like being a previous athlete, lots of college athletes have come to us and now they're like, I don't know how to train since I'm not an athlete and it's not everything now. Mm -hmm. Um, Having pregnant clients or pregnancy, pregnancy, (laughs) clients who are postpartum um I've had a a good handful of clients who have had injuries in the time we've been working together and that's drastically changed the way they're conceptualizing their health what they're doing for their you know workouts their training fitness all that kind of stuff um disabilities changes in health chronic illness or like even just getting a diagnosis even if you've been living with something for a while having a label like that can be pretty altering for people yeah yeah so that change change in like what so now we're not talking about how we look but we're talking about what we could once do um and whether that's related to our training whether that's related to our capacity for literally anything else meal prep you know planning um self-care bedtime routine yeah all of those things right um, we grieve that, like that ability to do all of those things at one point. 
yeah or like a sense of freedom or grieving like a loss of time or energy or yeah all of those pieces Yeah. yeah okay and then this last piece here you just had lifestyle yeah so I think generally that might be like moving into a new job which might mean taking on new responsibilities a change in hours or like schedule um might mean higher stress um moving like we're moving away from friends and family and Mm -hmm. like sense of security um but it could also mean like new gym I don't know how often I hear clients talk about how much they miss the gym they used to be at like it just feels like such a loss yeah because like those kind of like special places for us for even for people who don't you know go to the gym it could be like you had a church you love to go to and for whatever reason you have to go somewhere else it could be like a a cafe I think I've grieved the loss of like a cafe I love that closed down I've grieved Um, the loss of grocery stores yeah like and like like, having to go to a new grocery store because it is such a big change changes I think at the end of this we walk away being like change is fucking hard and it's okay if you're struggling with it yeah absolutely yeah so I mean like any of those things dietary change like how many clients have we had who like find out their celiac or something and like now having to change their entire diet means really changing so many things about the way you like navigate the world for sure are you go to a restaurant can you go with friends do you have to pack your own meal like you know so many of those things have changed yeah um so all of those and like more could be lifestyle things where we're considering like Hey, what comes next? Who am I without X or Y? Or who am I with this? Yeah. What can I do now? What pieces stay the same? You know, there's all of those questions to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you also had aging on here. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. add too much because I think yeah. like maybe I'm in denial because I truly feel like it's I'm Nicola's so birthday much. today. <laughs> yeah. She's so in her mid thirties. Yeah. So we just like, put a question I, mark around that, but yeah. like, Yeah aging and like mourning like your youth or the freedom you had I think about oh my god when I used to just rollerblade around the west side of Lethbridge drinking slurpees yeah um, no yeah. responsibility I have yeah. a lot of clients like in perimenopause and menopause right now and mm. this one is coming up huge yeah, um, yeah yeah and it's interesting because I think the aging process comes with all of these other things too mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. changes in body composition change in ability change in lifestyle and um so it's just like a lot at once um and I think with aging I don't know aging is like such an interesting thing I posted this on my Instagram last week and this is maybe getting off topic but there's this idea that like aging is like the worst thing that can happen to us and showing signs of aging is like fucking terrible like how dare you have wrinkles that show that you like fucking laughed you know, like how dare you have wrinkles from you from laughing and like all of this stuff. And it's like, why as a society do we put so much emphasis on aging in terms of how we look? Right? Like the worst thing that could happen as you age is like you look older versus mm-hmm. instead of instead of focusing on like, are we maintaining our capacity and our abilities to the amount that we can control it? right like think about all the things you've learned and like the wisdom you carry now yeah yeah Yeah. I do think you are better at like navigating that than I am 
Mm-hmm. I think like I hold a lot more fear about aging, which definitely came up in my class about aging, like right. how ageist I am. I'm like, holy yeah. shit. Um, yeah, but I don't think that's really off topic because I think like grief and aging go just hand in hand. And I think okay. as we age, we're only going to like accumulate more and more Very grief more, for sure because it's inevitable that we will lose people we love. It's inevitable yeah. that our lives will change. Like yeah yeah grief just is exponentially bigger as we age so maybe we have to just get fucking used to aging and get used to grieving because maybe they're happening for sure I think a big like from this conversation I think one of my biggest takeaways at least is like and this sounds so cliche but just like learning to in some capacity appreciate where you're at right because we go back to that conversation of like okay, when we were in the body that we're grieving, we wanted something different, right? Or, you know, okay, well, my body doesn't want to do CrossFit anymore, but I could, I still could if I want, but if I got injured or if I had chronic illness, like, you know, it really is about being okay with where we're at while simultaneously potentially grieving a previous version and we haven't really talked about this, but you had mentioned like grieving the per a person that you like didn't become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? maybe we pause on that for a sec because I do okay. think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, and again, this could come up in so many ways. I think of it, Brandon and I have actually talked about this at length, and he grieves like his uh like athletic life when he was like a college athlete and there was still this idea that like, what if I make it, what if I pursue a higher level? Right. And when those kind of like dreams are no longer an option, like fucking then what? Right. And it was like, I mean, when we talked about this earlier on, like years ago, I absolutely did not have the like language or understanding to support him in this, but it was our couples counselor who was like, Brandon, you need to write like a a grief and loss letter to your previous self and who you want it to be and are not. Yeah. And yeah, that's so mad. That hits so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this a lot too. For sure. There's also a piece of that. So athlete is a interesting one because (laughs) that's definitely one where like there's a timeline there. Right. Like even if Brandon decided that he wanted to, he's probably not going to make it now. Right. But I think that there's a lot of things that we grieve that maybe like, aren't completely out of the question yet. Right. Um, so like grieving, Meaning meaning that it still could be a possibility, but meaning like we're grieving that it hasn't already happened hasn't already happened or maybe we've written it off that it's not a possibility right or what about when you think you want something and then you decide you don't want something Mm -hmm. but then you still grieve like that thing you know I think about that in our in our business a lot um, because when we started paradigm like my picture (laughs) my vision for paradigm was like this massive company with like so many coaches and stuff like that And like, as we've evolved through paradigm, we've realized that that's like not what we want it to be, nor do we like want to put in the types of efforts that are required to get it there. Um, But I still grieve the thought of like being this like 
boss ass CEO with like this massive company, you know, yeah, totally. that doesn't mean that it couldn't be that in the future. Yeah. And then also yeah. the piece that you're like, but I don't even want that now. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Weird. It's weird. It's very yeah. tricky. Why are we the way we are? I know. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. Yeah. That's Anyways. tough. I mean, I think I always thought like, okay. And this is like a curiosity I have then are regrets and grief then the same, because I feel like I grieve a lot, but I'm like, do I label those as regrets? That's tricky. Uh, and I just don't know, dude, because I think yeah. like, if I'm being really honest with myself, I definitely have regrets about like going to school right out of um, right. Univer- or right out of high school and, and then changing degrees and then not using that degree at all. Right. And I regret it. And yet I'm like, oh it still benefit me. Like, I still love who I am right now, but like, what if, and I'm like, is that grief? Like those emotions and like deep, like that loss or is it a regret? Is it, but you also, I don't know with the grief piece, you don't even know what you're grieving because it's Mm -hmm. what if, right. You don't know what would have happened. And what if I was, can you grieve something that you didn't, that you don't even like I no, mean, I, I, I think yes. Be, and I say that as like, because I think we can apply whatever label that helps us understand our right. own process. Right. That's my take on it. So I think, yes, you can grieve it, but it does bring to light something so interesting because who's to say that, like, I'm comparing that what if to where I am now. Right. And I have no idea where I'd be in that alternate universe what if I had never met Brandon would I have Rue probably fucking not would we have met probably not like there's so many things that like are contingent on the choices we make and so yeah are can you grieve all of that stuff that's like maybe it was terrible too maybe you get a picture of that in you know another dimension and be like actually that's so terrible I actually love what I have and then you're not grieving it anymore it's like I don't know yeah interesting I think, yeah, I think they're different, but I think that they coexist. Regret, yeah. grief. Yeah, for sure. They're tricky ones. Yeah, fuck. yeah it's tricky. Feelings are tricky, yeah. man. Yeah, we love them though. We yeah. Love them. <laughs> okay, um, well, from there, I thought maybe an important part because we do like to give takeaways or maybe this is less tangible of a an episode. You know, we can't really give specific, do this. But I think we need to talk about like, okay, what do we fucking do with this grief? Right. Cry. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it. maybe it's <laughs> okay. You spitball. What else? What else you got? What else do you do with it? Uh, project it onto other people. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Those are mine. Okay. I love those. Uh, yeah. Super, those are tried and true. Helpful. Yeah. Tried and true reactions to grief for sure. Um, okay. So the things that I wrote down here are probably less from the research that I did and more so things I took from what we've learned, uh, not even just in this class, but over the course of my program so far that I think are really interesting and could potentially be applied to our client work, Mm -hmm. um, but also just you as an individual. So one approach to therapy is narrative, which is essentially this idea of like, making your own story this idea that we all live with all of these stories in our head lots of them given to us some of them experienced 
but we write these stories, whether they're true or not. This idea of like, there is no truth in the world. It's all completely subjective. Right. And so we each get to have our own truth. And so with that, with this narrative approach, a big piece then becomes like meaning making and how do we make meaning of the stories? And can we take a story and change the meaning? Totally. So it's this idea of like, encouraging us to recreate or establishing new possibilities, beliefs, outcomes, values about ourselves, this idea of like relearning about ourselves or the world. So when we're talking about like going back to the body image, meaning making might be having conversations or doing like some journaling about like, who were you back then? And what were the stories you were telling yourself? And what are the stories you have now? And how do we make meaning of like both of those? How do we take like what you had before and help it make sense of where you are now and where you can keep going? Mm -hmm. And it's just like really this idea of like expanding, I think what we believe is possible for ourselves and our ideas about ourselves. Because despite the fact that we've all been told when we're little, like you can do anything, really, I don't think we believe that right. bully as adults because yeah. there are so many confines put on us. And so yeah. this meaning-making approach is really trying to break down what we've been taught about staying within our bounds and really open the doors to new possibilities. So like, yeah, you gained weight and your body image is different. And now what? Like, what do we do with that? How do we move forward? Mm -hmm. What kind of person do we want to be despite mm -hmm. this or because of it? Right. How do you want to relate to others? Who do you want to show up as? What's yeah. like the legacy you want to leave? Yeah. And and then maybe reflecting on like, how does your physical body play into that? And does it play mm -hmm. into that as much as you maybe have been taught that it does? Right. Like if you're right. honest with yourself, is it living in line with your values? If like you have a body in which you can wake up and like do an activity you love. Right. Is it a body in which, you know, you get to be like hugged by your partner and like appreciated, you mm -hmm. know, it, it can be so many things. And I think that it then opens the doors to just talking about it in terms of like nutrition and what workout am I going to do and, right. and those kind of things and really allows you to like bring that piece of yourself, whether it is something around like weight loss and move it forward. Right. Yeah. Again, not trying to ignore the grief, but what do you do with it next? Mm -hmm. My therapist has me right now doing, and this maybe falls into this, like writing out the narratives that I have. So the stories that I have about myself mm -hmm. um, and then looking at them and being like, is this a story that I want Whoa. that's supportive? And if not, how do I, like, how do I rewrite it? Um, and I'm trying to think of an example that I feel good sharing <laughs> about here. Um, but I guess one is like, one story that I tell myself is like, my worth is tied to my productivity. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. if Who I'm not among us does not, yeah, if I'm not accomplishing things, I am not worthy. Mm -hmm. So like breaking that down, how does that play into my life and how is that serving me? Uh, not great, but also <laughs> it has served me really well because it's allowed me to, you know, start these businesses and accomplish like a lot of the things that I've accomplished. So then looking at, okay, so there's a piece of that that's positive. There's a piece of that that's, that's negative. So what's the new story 
yeah oh yeah 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 right that's fucking juicy shit I love that it's like but it's hard in the practice of it because when you write the new story you don't believe it totally right so I had this huge reflection piece about like I I can see that this is not supportive but like I'm only worthy if I'm productive, you know, like I don't fucking believe this new story. So then that practice Mm -hmm. of starting to believe it is, you know, I need to work on Mm -hmm. that with my therapist, but it's interesting. Yeah. And I think like, that's probably a long process. That's not going to be like, you know, two weeks of therapy and you're like, I believe it. Yeah. Um, But I do think like, if we can at least believe in the possibility of it, I think that's really all you need. Yeah. Wow. That was so cute. (laughs) okay what's this next one act yeah take action well I like that you called it act because I was really bad for calling it ACT okay. it stands for acceptance and commitment therapy yeah. but it is called act and I was like oh ACT and people are like it's act yeah. so great job nailing yeah. it so acceptance and commitment therapy um it's an approach that like when I look into it I'm like we do a lot of this in coaching mm-hmm. again we're not therapists however a lot of pieces around it are like looking at who we are as a human being and that identity piece. And there is a lot of work around value clarification. So identifying values, identifying how they show up in your life, what they mean to you, and then how you can further grow into those. And lots of our work with clients is around that tons Mm -hmm. from like micro moments to like you know, I'm going away for a weekend and I'm nervous about my fitness and nutrition. What do we do? We come back to values. What do you value? Is it the time and space to be with your family? Is it the nutrition piece? You know, so I think like so much of that we do on like a micro level and looking broader, Mm -hmm. but it also like act in general looks at a lot of different pieces. But I think what we'll kind of focus on here is it really is an approach that tries to avoid judgment and self-judgment right so when we are like holding these multiple truths it's very easy to assign one as good or one as bad like you have just kind of stated and rather than judging one we're trying to accept them both and instead of trying to change those thought processes like we might do it like cbt what we're really trying to do is hold them and still see ourselves positively so we're not trying to ignore things. We're not trying to get over it, yeah. but we're literally just trying to be like, I can accept that that exists and. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that and piece instead of mm-hmm. or. Or but. Or but. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then you had a last piece here about identity. What did I say? Read it to me. What did I say? <laughs> Looking at the identity piece can really help the grief process. Where the fuck did I put that? I'm highlighting. <laughs> Not aiming to get a client to move through it, but rather giving uh, them the center piece to ground themselves in, which I love that. Yeah. Maybe that doesn't need any more explanation. Yeah. I think we talked about identity a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Yeah. Should we move into some final thoughts and takeaways? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we should. Okay. Um, Was there anything else that you need to get in here for your your assignment? 
no <laughs> thankfully it was like pretty open-ended and really yeah. just needed that's so to, like cool. show that we were thinking about these things mm-hmm. um and truly I mean like this has been really nice because it does apply to client work so so much and you know it's always nice when you can take a piece of schoolwork and apply it to your own life and be like wow yeah yeah okay so these final couple thoughts I want I kind of want to hear what you're thinking at the end of this um I am thinking uh that there's probably a lot of places in my life where I've experienced grief and pushed it aside Mm. um for me personally I have issues with the coexisting feelings um so that's like a good reminder of like we can feel this grief and we can feel the anger, sadness, frustration, whatever that comes with it. While also, and, mm-hmm. you know, exploring what's possible now. Um, I think that that's one that a lot of us could benefit from if we were able to get more comfortable with that coexistence. Um, I think that like you put here, um, it's pretty clear that like grief is an inevitable is inevitable. Um, uh, mm-hmm. And it's going to surface in pretty much every fucking area of our life as we experience life and as life changes and as we get older. Oh, for bad. Um, and learning to accept it um, is probably something that we should, a tool we should get in our box. Mm-hmm. But like we as individuals, but also we as a collective, because my sure. God our society fucking hates grief. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are my, those are my takeaways. Cool. Um, I think what I have kind of decided for myself at least is like, we don't need to be so stingy with assigning grief. Right. Like, like you said, we can grieve so many different aspects of ourselves and our lives and the world we live in. And I think to learn to apply if the label or if the like experience feels fitting for you or if it feels helpful like we don't have to sit compare grief to someone else we don't have to say like well this grief isn't as bad so therefore it's not grief like don't be stingy with it just like don't be stingy with your other emotions too like you know we don't have to play the comparison game when it comes to like our human feelings Mm um yeah I mean grief is inevitable and I think when it comes to like coaching I think it's helpful to you know take a look at the changes in your own life as a coach um periods of transformation hardship loss and determined what helped for you in effort to help you see that in clients not to apply your own experience experience to them but to help you recognize it and support a client through what might be a grieving process mm-hmm. um also I think it just helps build a lot more compassion and helps build a tolerance for discomfort because that's something else you know we see in life and in therapy and in coaching is like when a client is uncomfortable how often do we try and get them to a place where they're feeling better about it yeah. rather than just accepting it like yeah things can fucking suck right now and part of that is we're trying to make our own selves comfortable because we're uncomfortable with their discomfort yeah that's the whole thing it's like it really becomes about us then so if we as coaches can get more comfortable with that process for ourselves Mm -hmm. and recognize you know how shitty it feels to be forced out of that or when someone can't hold our discomfort you know I think we'll be better off 
serving our clients with more compassion and giving them the space and time that they need to go through it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the end of that. I'll be curious to hear from people if this was helpful, if, you know, people see grief in entirely different ways. I don't know. Um, But I think we should still end with our, you know, normal fuck yes, fuck no. Okay, let's do it. So what's more academically professional than that? (laughs) It's fine. We could cut this part off and send us. Uh, No, absolutely not. Plus I'm like, Sonia, you're really going to listen to this whole thing. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You know, it's gold stars to you if you do. Um, Um, Okay. You go first. I have a fuck yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in my last month, I've done this a few times, but I've done like no meals out months or like an effort to not eat out. And in so Brandon and I talked about this on Saturday, we went for our first meal out in ages and planning and going out for a special occasion instead of just random like reactionary or recreational dinners was so fucking good. Like one of the best experiences I've had going out to eat and one of the best meals. Mm -hmm. And it was like so thoughtful and fun and present. And my second piece to that is like, always order the bread. You always, because the bread is so good. Well, I have a fuck no to go with that. All of these bread alternatives that people are fucking posting on Instagram, like just eat bread. Like you don't need to make avocado bread or. Okay. I will say that kind of did look like it fucked. Ah, no. You don't think so? With like an egg sandwich on that, like the crispiness of it. Okay, fine. But like, like make it because you want to try something fun, not because bread is bad. Right. Like I'm picturing you making that as like a layer that you put in with the egg and sausage and then inside a bagel. Inside a bagel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I love that planning piece because I think you just like, then you like, you start to look forward to it. Anticipation builds and like, you're just more present Mm because when it's reactionary, you're like maybe still thinking of other things or, you know, they're just like, yeah, I love that. Yeah, like that was a very memorable experience. I'm not going to, well, maybe I will remember all the times I ate burritos, but probably not. Right. Those burritos are so good there though. Yeah, taco fino. So good. Um, But another piece to that is Brandon and I decided how much money we saved by not eating out for a whole month and then going out for what was a very expensive dinner. Yeah. We still saved so much money. For sure. crazy. I was like, that's fucking worth it to me to go splurge on like yeah a really extravagant yeah meal where you order two desserts and then <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah good. yeah um, so that was your fuck no the bread thing well yeah I have a few other fuck no's this rash situation on my eyes is just pissing me off they're so on itchy your eyes yeah like my and eyes had are that like, before right yeah but it's like so bad right now and actually I think oh. it might be from sourdough bread oh <gasps> which is like absolutely heartbreaking, but I've been trying to figure out from the last time that it was really bad, which was when I was in Phoenix to now that's one food item that I only ate during those times. Um, So I'm like, I wonder if it's like the yeast in it. I don't know. I'm cutting it out. Yeah. I'll be like fucking heartbroken. Um, But also when you have to go poop in a public bathroom is my other fucking hell. Yeah. It's called boundaries. (laughs) Boundaries. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got to the gym today and I was like, oh no. Um, but yeah, that's mine. Yeah, those are good. Those are legit. Yeah. I think everybody can relate to those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So anyways, we're going to wrap it up. This episode is going to come out on Friday. Yeah. Um, so, and then next week will be the friends of the pod with Emily, where we're going to be talking a lot about motherhood and fitness and nutrition in pregnancy, postpartum, the grief about, that comes with that. What about our just the tips episode? Oh yeah. Shit. Anyway, okay, we'll, you'll record the one with Emily next yeah. week. So yeah, okay. we'll be on the roster to come out. Just soon. the tips we'll... is next. <laughs> yeah. We're all met. We're so far ahead. We can't even fucking keep up. We don't know. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, that's good job. Thanks for uh, joining me in that. The wild, wild west of wild, wild west. emotions. It's a great episode to record on your birthday. Yeah, truly. Yeah. No, that's yeah. fun. Good. Okay. Okay, we'll Goodbye, see you all everybody. next week. Bye-bye. Bye.